Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. I'm Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week we're joined by Cole Ross yet again to get afraid. Just Hello. like Bo. It is Cole. It is Cole. Cole is back. <laughs> Just um, afraid. Guys... I don't even, a lot of the time I have a lot of composure when we start these episodes and I'm, I'm structuring myself with all these ideas that I'm going to try and reflect in this episode. And when I was tasked with trying to write notes for this movie, I immediately realized Bo is Afraid is the weirdest fucking movie of the year so far. It's insane. Um, yeah, obviously if you haven't clued in by now, we're going to be talking about Bo is Afraid this week, Ari Aster's new three hour nightmare comedy, um, just an absolute wild ride. But before we get right into Bo is Afraid, let's talk about Ari Aster himself, my favorite little freak. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about him for a couple minutes. Don't, don't ever say that again. I don't think there's a better way to describe there Ari Aster than my favorite little freak. He is. He is a pretty. He's a pretty freak. Yeah. Let's let's talk about him for a minute though. Like love him or hate him, he's easily, in my opinion, one of the most distinct voices in current filmmaking. You know, you don't need me to say it. You can find Martin Scorsese saying it online, talking about how. Ari Aster, his movies divide people, but they also bring people together in such a unique way. And I think I completely agree. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on, on him and his in his previous films? Because I have a big relationship to his to his last two films, and I was really looking forward to this new one. So I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on him. I I agree with what you're, everything you're saying. I think the funniest part about it is that um, I think it unites everyone in the sense that everyone goes, what the fuck was that? Yeah. After they watch yeah. the movie. Yep. Um. To be honest, I don't really have any connection with Ari Aster. I watched all of his movies. I thought they were good. I, like, he's nothing, all of his movies are crazy to me, but not crazy in the sense that I'm like, whoa, this is crazy, I love this. Crazy in the sense of, like, this is a film that is nuts, and I did enjoy, but why? I always ask why, um, and I think I'm starting to understand why, because you do need those more out there, more interesting voices. Um, but it's just like, what the fuck, man? What's going on in his little head? I'm just so curious. I'm really worried about him. I think he needs therapy. Yeah. I think he's so important in Hollywood in general, just due to the fact that no one else is really putting out movies in this degree. Like, nothing is nothing else that we see makes us go, like, what the fuck? And even the people who do manage to get that what the fuck reaction, they don't have like the boldness that that Ari Aster has no. you know a good example of like it got the what the fuck but it wasn't a good movie is Alex Garland's film Men from last year yeah yeah just not not very good um but it's still it's got like the same kind of like it's trying to weird you out vibe but Ari Aster the way he does it is so he's so talented it, he's perfected the what the fuck right he's, he's got <laughs> such a unique uh, yeah. eye for for filmmaking I think personally I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this Hereditary or Midsummer, guys, yourself? Where are you guys leading? Midsummer. Yeah. I think Hereditary is a scary mover. I think Midsummer is just A, beautiful to look at, and B, insanely creepy. Yeah, That's Midsummer is just like the visuals in Midsummer and the insanity of everything that's happening, really good. Yeah. Um, but for me, Hereditary, it was just like, it was one of those things where I hoped that at the end things would be explained for me and I just became even more confused. And I was like, that was scary and good, but I just don't understand what happened at all. Yeah. Hereditary for me might be one of the scariest movies ever made. And I, I can't pin down what it is because I've talked to people about this. I've talked to you, Cole. Mm -hmm. You didn't find it all I don't that find scary. It that scary, no. I don't know what it is, man. I saw that movie in theaters, you know, as a 
a little bit high, so maybe that lends itself to the experience itself. But I just remember Hereditary having me absolutely horrified. And to this day, there's still visuals from that movie that are just ingrained in my brain that I, I can't stop thinking the about. The cult outside is creepy as fuck. It's very yeah. creepy. And like yeah. the naked one in the hallway. Yeah. I know it's like some people find it funny. I just would like look into my shower at That's 2 a.m. and see it. that shit constantly. I view it in more of like a like a funny what the fuck rather than like it actually scared me. Mm-hmm. That's how I view most of Ari's films. Right. Like, and I guess some people don't, but that's just how I have the opinion on it because it's all what the fuck. So I just like, sometimes I get a laugh out of it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's the sense of dread and misery that maybe permeates over the entire movie that makes it all the more intense for me mm-hmm. because Hereditary spends the first hour of its movie as just like a family drama and like yeah. a commentary on loss and how it like destroys a family before it becomes a possession horror movie. That feels worse than the possession horror movie part. Agreed. Mm. Like it's way more miserable. That's the hard part of that movie. Yeah. And our, our friend Brayden, he's sworn off Ari Aster. This is a huge <laughs> like running joke in our friend group for at least like five years now. It's just like Brayden, was dragged to that movie. He did not want to see it. He doesn't like horror movies all that much. And we sat him down for what is definitively like the most miserable horror movie of all time. And now he's just like, yeah, Ari Aster, wish him luck. I I never want to hear that name again. (laughs) Fair. And I I find that absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to talk about him briefly before we like directly address Bo is afraid because so much of Bo is afraid is about the creative freedom that he was given due to the success of, yeah. of Hereditary and Midsommar. And really, a movie like this, it's hard to imagine existing without the previous two movies, which are so... Um, they just really did something. And I think the term elevated horror is a term that gets thrown around a lot now, and it is pretty uh, eye-roll-inducing and pretty like pretentious. That being said, Ari Aster really did jumpstart that wave where everybody was just like, whoa, this is like a horror movie, except it's deep. And I think Ari Aster really popularized that in 2018 and around you can see around that time the horror genre starting to shift to like metaphorical deeper stories that aren't just boo ah you know what i mean i feel like yeah. we moved over to that like paranormal activity like yeah. jump scare mm-hmm. these are made for adolescents that are gonna go see it because they're gonna get scared we like completely moved over to that like mm-hmm. if something was put out like that now i don't think it would get the same reaction yeah yeah um like even Conjuring, like Conjuring is a fantastic movie, but I also think it wouldn't fare as well, like Annabelle two. Like mm-hmm. Annabelle two didn't fare as well as the previous movies due to the fact of it's like, it. I feel like it's almost aging out. Right. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's important to have started this conversation before talking about was afraid to talk about his horror movies because he yeah. did get kind of lumped in as like, he's gonna save horror. He's the next great voice in horror, and it's like he heard everyone saying that with Hereditary and Midsummer, and he went. Okay, I'm gonna make a three-hour movie that could not be less of a horror movie. Like Bo is afraid is like not not just like I don't think there's even an argument for it. I don't even think there's a place to call it a horror movie. It makes you feel horrible, but I don't think it's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely more of a hereditary guy myself than mm-hmm. Midsummer. But I also think Midsummer is is pretty great. So Bo is afraid is an absolutely wild swing (laughs) wild nuts insane it's hard to even believe that a24 two movies into his filmography was just like how much you need 40 million all right here you go done um i think we need more of that though and i know that's like a a dumb thing to say but i feel like creative freedom and people like producers and shit like that just allowing people to make movies that they want to yeah i think that's needed 
Agreed. Yeah. It's just creative freedom is what you like. What you get out of it, you get everything er- everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a creative fruit freedom movie that turned out fantastic. You get stuff too, like you know, love it or hate it. Like you get Martin Scorsese making like three and a half hour movies for streaming services, which is yeah. like some people think it's too long. I am glad that one of our greatest filmmakers is still making movies. And he's just given the freedom to just be like, all right, this one's going to be three and a half hours long. It's a Western. Yeah. Like, I think that's cool. Um, Ari Aster has talked a little bit about how Bo is Afraid was intended to be his first movie. Before, what? Yeah. Really? He said that that was the movie he was working on first. He said long before a script for Hereditary even came about, Bo is Afraid existed. I don't think his like tenure would have been as... I don't even know if he would have gotten to Hereditary yeah. Midsommar. Yeah. No, he wouldn't have. Yeah. Like, there's no way he would right. have. I don't know how this movie's doing at the box office, but... I, I do know how it's doing amongst people in my life who have seen it. Yeah. I loved it. Cole, I think I really you loved it. it. Yeah. Wesley, I don't know about you. I'm like, I'm so-so on it. Right. I, I went to this movie with two people who left halfway through. Because mm-hmm. they were like, this is this is awful. I think that's a fair reaction. I think it is, too. And then uh, Morgan, our, our friend Morgan, he hated it. He d- hated it. And he yeah. came up after, he's like, I have brain damage. I think that movie has actually given me brain damage. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think if you walk out of Bo's Afraid thinking, you know, I don't know what to make of this at all, that's completely fair. So that leads me to a question. What did you guys walk out of the theater thinking about Bo's Afraid? I remember leaving the theater, and it was just me and Amy. And I was walking down the stairs, and I was trying to think of things to say to her about the movie. I couldn't think of a single thing. And so we're walking out, and I was like, well, that was a movie. Um, like I just—it's a lot of movies. I think that was I, my exact reaction. I think that movie, like after you leave the theater, you are—you have spent three hours with just like insanity that you don't know what to think about anything in the world anymore. Uh, for like a, like for a solid half an hour, I couldn't come up with anything mm-hmm. to say about it. Yeah, no, me too. I think I went on Letterboxd and I had wrote, um. This is what happens when you say nightmare, nightmare, nightmare to your friend while he's tripping on shrooms. Yeah. And honestly, probably one of my best reviews ever. <laughs> like, I think that's pretty spot on to this movie. It really does feel, you know, a bit like a psychedelic nightmare. Like, it's like, yeah. it's the worst case for a shroom trip. Uh, a lot of people have been tweeting about how they're going to go see this movie on shrooms. Joaquin Phoenix said, please, he said, please do not. Do not. <laughs> but if you do film yourself, yeah, which hilarious. If anyone does that, please post it somewhere that I, I would, can see it would it. not turn out good. Like, no, you, you would probably shrivel up leave and... in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I could stay there. <laughs> when we walked out of the theater, I saw it with Hayden and I actually don't think we said anything about the movie either than, birthday boy stab man for like 20 minutes until he said anything constructive it's true like I, a lot my of nonsense. brain was mush yeah you know like a detail that sticks with me and it stuck with me the second we walked out of the theater don't know why this stuck with me there's a lot of stuff that should have stuck with me way more walking phoenix's character Bo, walks by a sign in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie that says death by anal murder by fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i just think it's hilarious I just think it's really funny, and it's like it's stuck in my head on loop. And Cole, I think, yeah, like when we walked out of the theater, I ended up coming over to your house after the movie, and it took us about forty minutes to get to any like actual realizations about our thoughts on the movie. Um, it was just immediately we we're just like, whoa, whoa, that was a movie for yeah, sure. Like there was nothing constructive coming out of our mouths for the first like hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think of how to direct this conversation right now because of the fact that this movie is just a lot of movies. So I'm trying to think of where we start. It's here's, too long. Here's what I, yeah, we can start right there. It's yeah. definitely too long. It's way too long. Look, I totally get it. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to say uh, in this movie. I think it could have been said in half the time it took. I um, think if you, you could shave off a half hour. I, I think two and a half hours would have sufficed. I, I think even two would have sufficed. Yeah. Like, that whole play scene. Goes, I loved it. It's cool, yeah. but it takes the plot nowhere. And it wastes about 20 minutes of your time. But nothing in the movie takes the plot anywhere. Very true. <laughs> but true. that specifically, you, you, that one moment in the timeline of the movie just loops back onto itself. Oh, yeah. Like, it takes 20 minutes to be like, here is a story of the movie and now we're back yeah. it's like why did you just show me that if you're gonna show me that in like the next little bit very cool scene looked awesome but i think that was like way too long mm-hmm. um that was the i went and saw this with my friend sid and taryn that was the moment that broke sid it was sid was like the i'm play. leaving which is surprising to me because i actually think if there's any part that sid would have loved just to play but it was just it's like so interesting, but it also it's also like it, I thought it was, but it is completely like incoherent to the rest of the movie. But it is like visually inventive. I'm caught up in this random ass story out of nowhere. Sure, I, I think that's some of the point of it is like the interpretation of that because I think like I think some of this movie is just meant to drag. I think that's the point. Very true. Because you, like it's just an anxiety attack. Like I think some of it's meant to just make you sit in this and feel like shit very true i like i definitely think there are a lot of moments like that yeah where it's just it's meant to make you be like what is happening what is going on this is awful yeah um but yeah that was that one moment i was just like this is way too long that's entirely um to only to loop back to the exact same point and then it kind of just be forgotten for the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. um uh but like yeah, I would say this movie is a little too long. Is that the worst thing? No, but when you're having like a full fueled anxiety panic attack for this entire movie, you hit like I don't know about you guys, I checked my watch multiple times. Like when I hit the hour and a half mark, I was like, "Holy crap, there's still half a movie here." I looked at Hayden at the hour and a half mark. I said, "We still have an hour and a half left." Yeah, it's and it... my whole body froze up and I started shaking in terror. <laughs> But yeah, it's there's just so much in this movie, and I really don't think we can go like beat for beat no, through all the you things. Can't. I think well, like the best way that we can kind of talk about this is to just kind of talk about what we got from this movie, what we experienced, what really stuck with us, and hopefully in that conversation we can find some meaning in this movie. Right. I think one random thing that I do want to say is that this movie is so complex, and there's so much craziness happening, but. At its core, it's a very simple story. It is about a man who trying to get a nut named Bo. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a man that's is one of trying to nut. It's true. He needs to desperately, but it is about a man named Bo who is incredibly afraid of everything—not one thing, but really the whole world around him—and he is trying to go and visit his mother. That is the jumping point. For, that is the plot for everything that happens. Yeah, yeah that's the plot of the movie. Um, eventually, by the time you hit the hour and a half mark, you kind of have lost the plot because so much is happening. But that is really what the story is about. Ari Aster has talked a little bit about how this is meant to be like a a nightmare. He called it Jewish Lord of the Rings, and the website what? Vox the website Vox wrote a very 
I don't know what Jewish Lord of the Rings means, but Vox kind of breaks that comment down in an article that I read. <laughs> what does that mean? To a much easier to swallow uh, degree, which is that this is a funhouse mirror version of the classic hero's journey story. In its normal state, the hero's journey is a narrative archetype for a particular kind of classic story. Think of Frodo and Lord of the Rings. A hero is called out of his life and armed by some, you know, grand thing to embark on some journey. And then Ariaster, being the little weirdo he is, kind of turns that whole thing inside out with Bo really just getting caught up in multiple different stories and plot lines and directions as the story goes on. And the more I thought about it, I realized this movie actually kind of functions in six distinct parts. Like it's three six hours. Four. A lot happens, but you have this, you have the city at the beginning, then yeah. you have the house that he ends up staying in after that. And then you have the woods, the woods, then you have then the play, which the is kind is of the, wood. the woods. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then you have his mom's house. Yes. Okay. You're right. So four. Yeah. Um, and they're each, distinctly when like they're separated by when he injures himself right in some way Mm -hmm. so i don't necessarily know what the you know jewish lord of the rings comment means but i do find it interesting at least to pick apart the idea that this is pretty much meant to be like a nightmare inducing inversion of what a classic hero's walk quest is yeah exactly um Except Literally. he's just except walking to go all, get a nut. It, except it's all happening in Mordor. The yes. entire movie is just horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so at that point, Wesley, you said let's just jump into like specific things. Is there anywhere you wanted to, to start? I would love to start with, this is kind of, after watching this movie, I think you're you're right. There is a very simple story in, in this, and the simple story being that you're just showing how anxiety can affect someone and how it can affect the people around them in a more fantastical way, like through the eyes of the person who's having yeah. all this anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. we only see through Bo's eyes for the entirety of this film. We never see from somebody else's eyes to get a perspective of what the what is actually happening in the world. And so I think this is just a way to show uh, a character who struggles with anxiety so much that it actually paralyzes him to the point where he is forced into his worst situation dialed up to 11 mm-hmm. like uh i read i heard an interview uh where someone was i can't even remember what the person was uh how they were involved in the movie or the specifics of it but uh they essentially mentioned that throughout this movie Bo is constantly thinking of all the wrong things that could happen to him so much so that he creates this version where all of the all worst of them, things are yeah. happening all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks to himself, Oh, if my apartment is unlocked and oh. I leave every single crazy person off the streets, going to go in there, destroy my apartment and I will have nowhere to live. Like that's his worst case scenario. And that happens. Um, or like the great way to describe it is that scene in the bathtub where he could so very easily just get out of the bathtub <laughs> But he's so scared of what is going on that he sits there in the bathtub until right. the guy falls on him, and then they start wrestling. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's happening in that bathtub. Half scene. of this movie, like I, I'd say, a good portion of this movie, I spent laughing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like that, that is the other thing too. Is there are genuinely funny moments in this that are like dark humor funny. Like and, him sitting there in the bathtub and the guy just sh- above him shaking his head like, no, no, yeah. no. Like, I lost my shit, As his feet start shit, to slip man. and he yeah. starts to fall, yeah. Uh, like, my, the one that made me laugh so much was when 
uh, Bo runs across the street to get water from that place, and there's the guy that's going by and he's going, help me, help me, help me, help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's in the store and he looks out the window and the guy's just at the window mouthing help me over and over again. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, there are like genuine moments that are like, this would be terrifying to happen in real life, but this is hilarious on screen. Absolutely. So I feel like a majority of this movie is just like Bo's worst nightmares coming to light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the best way. Like, that's what I got from the movie. Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of other things to get, but that's kind of the main point that I got. Definitely what what I got from it as well is that it's a very dramatic, um, over-the-top interpretation of what somebody who lives with anxiety experiences. Yeah. You know, whether it be, like, the way that somebody looks at them on the street and now they're scared that they're going to just walk up to them and stab them. Yeah. Uh, with characters like Birthday Boy Stab Man. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, like, the fear of him not leaving his apartment and going to visit his mom and, like, the way that that completely disrupts and destroys their relationship. Um, it's It's a dramatic interpretation of how all these little things in somebody's life when they're plagued by anxiety kind of compound and you just see it throughout the most ridiculous lens yeah it's always over the top yeah like it's always worst case Mm -hmm. yeah there's no like one to ten it's like eleven yeah it's always just like the worst case scenario which i find so interesting because it's so true like i personally don't struggle with anxiety um but i know that people can like get these crazy ideas in their head and start spiraling out of control about things that have not happened yet or that might happen in the future um and it's a serious it's like a very serious thing that can really affect people's day-to-day debilitate people for sure like as we see in this movie but also in real life like it just can happen yeah and so i find it so interesting to view it through this crazy fantastical insane lens um that Ari Aster does put us through. Yeah. You know, I I feel almost like I can't say I have anxiety after having watched this movie because if this is what some people experience... This is just like... I know. This it's is just, just like a, 11, right? Yeah, like, it's just dialed up. Everyone deals with anxiety, but this would be like severe panic disorder. Right. At like, like yeah. it's like craziest. Yeah. And I am like... But I am a chronic overthinker. I'm yeah. someone who, who, you know, obviously I didn't find relatability in Bo's Afraid, but there were parts where my brain like understood that feeling of just like how one thing becomes another thing. And then all of a sudden you're just like rolling and it's really just like the snowball effect. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what this whole movie is. It's really just like something happens to him and then another thing happens to him. And then you just get caught up on this, on this big journey. We had kind of talked a little bit a few minutes ago about how, how funny this movie is. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because this is a comedy. Like Ari Aster has said it, 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 it was written as a comedy. He made it as a comedy for, all the little weirdos out there who will who will find this type of movie funny. <laughs> all the little weirdos. I'm the little weirdo. Yeah, I'm, it's me. I'm, I'm little weirdo. Yeah. But I found this movie absolutely hilarious. In fact, I think it's the funniest movie I've seen so far this year. Um, <laughs> we died, man. Like, no, Wesley. Like, I, seriously, I agree with Hayden. Like, we were in the theater dying. Like, oh disrupting the other two up. people in the theater with us. I was trying to be respectful to the people behind me, and I was just like, I feel like an asshole, like laughing at during this like three hour A twenty four movie. I was howling. I got it. Like at the certain point where the guy smashes the window in the trailer, I was like snorting. Like yeah. it was. I was. I was in shambles. And I think it, it does appeal to such like a such a specific sense of humor. Cole, you kind of answered the question for me, but Wesley, I was gonna say like, did you find this movie very funny? Like, or did you find moments funny? I found moments funny. Okay. I think a lot of the humor 
was partially lost or some of the humor was partially lost on me just because I was so in like the what the fuck is going on state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely laughed lots. Like, yeah, that's funny. That whole like awful conversation that Bo's having on the phone <laughs> and in the background, guys just having like PTSD flashbacks, tweaking, like yeah. throwing arms and everything. Army crawling um, up a hill. Exactly. I thought it, another moment I thought was hilarious was the weird guy that was meditating in the forest. The guy who would like, put together the whole play thing he's just meditating he's up there. on top of him and then the guy comes like running in shooting and blowing stuff up like bullets just whiz around him and he just sits there and totally normal yeah. yeah um there's there's definitely lots of funny moments uh in here it's just there is so much like insanity going on that i definitely missed lots of them like yeah. uh i've been told that there's a lot of funny things on the signs in this movie I absolutely i missed like every single oh, one really? of those. Oh, the signs are amazing they're um, so funny because i was just in such of like a what the fuck state erectus ejectus <laughs> that's what it's called <laughs> that's, that's, that. that's the uh, bose apartment building so, is yeah. directly above a store called erectus ejectus. <laughs> oh wow it's like a, a sex shop or something <laughs> what does it say on the side though it says something fucked on the side too but a lot of, of weird visual signs. And this is random, and at, at the risk of you know, disrupting the question I had asked, like, there's such a impressive nature to the production design here. Even though it's so, like, obscene and ridiculous and over the top, I was watching this movie, and I was just like, damn, Ari Aster is flexing his filmmaking abilities in the weirdest way. It's like, yeah. he's just like, look what I can do. I'm going to show off Erectus Ejectus, and as I had mentioned... Death by anal, murder by fuck. Like, like <laughs> yeah. just, so funny. I don't know. I thought the production design here was pretty impressive, even if it was like absolutely cracked out weird. Yeah, I mean, I there may be some deeper meaning to that, to having all the signs and things in the background. What's about looking saying, over top of it? Yeah, how you did. Like it's just about like not paying attention to it. Exactly. So like, there's so many things in the background that are probably meant to be like fucked. So you see it and you're like, what on earth? But most people would just glance over it. Yeah. So. There's a lot of that in this movie. Just yeah. like, if you pay attention, you'll notice it. But if yeah. not, you're just going to glance over it. Mm-hmm. And that's there throughout, throughout the entire, the entire movie. movie. It's yeah. like the K-pop bedroom that he's in when, yeah. after he gets hit by hit by the car. A lot of stuff like that. Um, I feel like we'll circle back to like this point of discussion, but I want to talk a little bit about Joaquin Phoenix. Because, mm. you know, one of our, our best actors, I would say. Do you guys agree? I watched Walk yeah. the Line recently with him in it. Uh, it's the, the Johnny, Johnny Cash really movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a great movie, yeah. But I didn't realize that guy has range. Yeah, definition like, of like range. My, he is fantastic. Literally, my favorite movie uh, is her, uh, where he is so good in that. Yeah, it's hard to believe that that's even the same person I who know. plays this lead character in Bo is Afraid. It's insane. I don't think I've seen that. My if you that. haven't, definitely check it out. Yeah. It's about a guy who falls in love with an AI. Very cool. Really? It's voiced by the AI is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Um, movie should not be as moving as it is. It is so it, it, so good. Tear inducing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That came out in like 21, right? 2013. Oh, it was old, old. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that Joaquin is thriving. Yeah. I mean, yes, his character is going through like the absolute worst shit, but he is doing such a good job at just being panicked and playing this character who is probably thinking in a mile a minute. Uh, like at all times about all the he horrible stuff that's gonna happen. He does such a good job. He um, actually might have like very little dialogue in this movie because a lot of it's just like, hana, 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 hana. like yeah, mumbling like, and reacting yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, like he does that so well, like in that panic state. Yeah, he doesn't have any like big monologues or anything in this movie. It's very much just reacting to what's happening around him. A lot of screaming, uh, a lot of running. Um, 
it's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Joaquin Phoenix does such a good job at like really. I think he is just really holding it down. Like having that thorough, really strong actor to pull through this insanity that's happening. Like it's hard to do, and I think Joaquin does it really well. Mm-hmm. I agree on all, yeah, on all points. Like he's just he's really good in this. He takes on this role like perfectly. Yeah, I think without a performance like this, which is so serious and dedicated in a movie that is not. Yeah, um, true. Like I think this movie would fall apart quite honestly without like a, a extremely talented dramatic actor like Joaquin who's capable of taking these moments that are completely insane and finding like some sense of levity in them or some sense of like sympathy whether it's like through the way you see just how terrified he is on his face um like so much of this movie is reactionary like I think as you had mentioned Wesley Mm -hmm. like it's it's just shit happening to him and him responding to it rather than like him doing you know like Joker which is like a movie that's completely opposite he's the lead yeah yeah it's it's crazy for a main character to do nothing to drive the story he just experiences it all he's just there um he's just there and i and that does become like a fault of his character Mm -hmm. that he doesn't actually take take charge or actually do anything he just lets things happen to him Mm -hmm. um but it's just so interesting to see a main character like you were talking about earlier of having that like main hero plot totally flipped inside out um it's so interesting to see him just react to everything right yeah like in the, like circling back to that idea actually like frodo on his hero's journey quest is taking a lot of charge right he ends up with the with the ring and he ends up leading all these people to one common goal it's like if you made frodo and lord of the rings just like completely useless it's like if um, it was Merry and Pippin, uh, doing Frodo and Sam's job. Right. Yeah. It's actually uh, a good way to word it. Because they'd be like, "What? Well, I don't want to be a part of any of this," and then it's like, "No, go." Um. So yeah, wild. I also just wanted to talk about the performances on a broader level for for a minute too, because really, everyone here, even in their very small roles, is like very good. Uh, a name that I want to mention because he got some real good laughs out of out of Cole and I is Nathan Lane. Who plays the father who you know takes Bowen Ro- after Roger? The car- Roger, yes. Um, some really great lines. Can't leave you, my dude. brother. Same same voice actors Timon, man. I can't. Is it? Yeah, that's the that's an uh, actor for Timon in The Lion King. Wow, he's now yeah, he's really good in this movie in such a small and thankless role. He really doesn't have anything to do, but it's such little del- line deliveries. Like when he's talking to Bo, and he's just like. No can do, my dude. And, like, just yeah. stuff like yeah, that. It just so it had, it had me really cracking up. Him trying to make, like, brightness out of a family that has, like, fallen apart at the rails. Like, just... Yeah. <laughs> like it's... I love how he's, like, injecting sedatives into this crazy guy who's got PTSD. And he's like, it's all good, Bo. He told me yesterday he loves you. <laughs> like, instead of right to his neck. He's, like, foaming at the mouth. He's like, yeah. oh, I don't know if he loves him. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, I no, also... He's really funny. I also thought that, uh... That Parker Posey, who shows up for a, a very distinct scene where Bo is, you know, the spoilers because we're talking about the movie. When Bo gets his nut, <laughs> the girl, the girl that he he does so with. Well, wait, are we like are we go, are we going here right now? I had one other character okay, that we didn't talk about. Okay, yes, let's do that. The little sister of the, or like the daughter mm-hmm. of um, Kylie Rogers. Is, yeah, is the yeah. she's in Yellowstone as well. And oh, really? is really good in Yellowstone. Yeah, she plays the younger Beth in uh, Yellowstone. 
She's fantastic in Yellowstone, and here she's absolutely horrifying. She's yeah, a, she's a menace. Like yeah, she's crazy. scary. Like her screams in this movie are petrifying. Mm-hmm. And that does, she does such a good job tapping exactly what Ari Aster was going for with this movie, which is a perpetual state of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just like making the audience's whole body kind of clench up just oh, at, at the sight of her. I'm just she like, made this my is skin crawl. Like the scene where they're in the van and Bo is just smoking. It, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. there's so many lines of dialogue in there that are, yeah, that that's where that movie got me into like a, ah. like I was just frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Last name I want to mention. Patty Lapone, who plays Bo's mom. Um, oh, she carries this movie in the la- in, the in the last, last hour. hour. Holy yeah. shit! It's just carries like it. Acting showcase. And Patty Lapone's a very respected actress. I'm actually not too familiar with her, but I have. I'm sure I've seen her in something before. But people really love her, and I get why. Like, yeah, she's I, I remarkable can't say I've seen her in a lot, but she carried the last like yeah hour of this movie. Circling back to somebody who is taking this movie completely serious. It's yeah. like Aria. It's so funny because a lot of the time you'll have the director taking the movie so serious and the actors will be doing goofy things with their role. This is the opposite. You have a lot of very, very dedicated, serious actors while Ari Aster is just behind the camera giggling like a little weirdo. Yeah. Like, He's like, okay, guys, get ready. Bring in the giant penis. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the giant penis. Or as the internet has referred to it, Jabba the Nut. Horrible. <laughs> okay, you can go back to Parker Posey. Yeah, do you want to go there? Let's let's go there. Let's honestly. go there. Yeah, why not? Okay, what? do you want to start? Yeah, I want to start. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I kid you not, from this point, after this man nut in this movie, from that point forward, I was like, what is happening? I couldn't tell you a, tell you a single thing that happened after that. Like, from that point on, I think it was the craziest thing on earth. And so, when we have, like, Bo's mom being like, I gave all my love to you, I did all these things for you, and then is like, get up in the attic... And meet your brother, who you forgot you had, who has been there for years, and your father, who is a fucking giant penis with little... Little penis monster? Penis claws. I don't know what to yeah, describe. Yeah, he had little needles, He dog. had little needles. And then he ends up killing the weird, crazy PTSD oh, dude yeah. with. That dude just shows up again, just yeah. gets impaled by the, by the giant penis monster. Like... What a way to go out. That point <laughs> of the movie, I just, like... And when we find out that his mother has actually been, like, secretly helicopter controlling everything he does in his life. And she's been alive yeah. the whole time. And she's been alive she the whole time. faked her death faked at the beginning death. of the movie to, to see how he would react, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to see if he would actually show up. Exactly. Because, um, yeah, she says that she gave all her love to Bo, but in reality, she isn't giving all her love to Bo. She is giving love to Bo, expecting him to give all his love back to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so horrible to hear about and learn. She does an amazing job at the end there. It's, like, so creepy and weird how calm and composed she is. But, like, oh, my God. What the fuck? The dude nutted and Elaine turned into a statue. Um, rigor mortis set in real quick. Yeah, so quick. The way that they just carried her out like a wax model, like a wax statue, and they just carried her out. I was like, what the... That scene also made me cackle. So before... Yeah, oh no, I laughed so hard. When he just... It really is just the moment where he just... just like, And he's like, wow. And then he goes, And just throws her (laughs) off. It was so funny. I think that it might be my favorite scene in a movie this year. The needle drop is fantastic. The the, the always be my maybe needle drop, um, or always be my baby needle drop. I don't know why I said maybe. Uh, 
incredible. Just like great stuff. Especially incredible because she restarts the restarts song. It. Yeah. yeah. She's like, let me play it again. I remember before this movie came out, I saw Mariah Carey at the red carpet posing with Ari Aster. And I was like, huh? And now I'm like, oh. Now you understand. Now it makes sense. I think that scene is like genuinely perfect. The awkward nature to it is so, so, weird. so weird and hard to watch. Um, and Parker Posey, an actress who I, who I quite like, I, th- I thought that she was just really good in this w- isolated scene. Just wild, though. The way that he's just like, oh, I was scared I was going to die. I spent my whole life scared I was going to die. He looks up. She's dead. Yeah. It's really funny. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. He, he, yeah, I really... I, yeah, man, there's not a whole lot there. It's just, I laughed so hard. I was just, I was just dying because I was like... There is nothing worse than that could have happened to him. Yeah, he he probably would have been better off dying. Himself. I think he would have preferred yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I remember you looked over at me and you said, "There's no way this movie is going to end with him nutting and dying." They've been, I, oh, they've been mentioning throughout the whole movie yeah. this idea that he was born into this world by his dad essentially leaving it. That his dad came and <laughs> he came and went. About this. <laughs> came and went. The. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that his father you know dies the second that he gives way for Bo to come into the world literally yeah. um, is, is extremely like brought up a lot throughout the movie it's extremely interesting and then mm-hmm. I thought that the payoff here would be that he dies the same way his father does psych they pull an Uno reverse card on you yeah. and it's it's even better for it but you said to me I think the movie's gonna end here with him with him nut- nutting and dying. And I was like, brother, we got 45 minutes left. Yeah. Like, this movie is going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, that being said, Patty Lapone, I do think, is where the movie... If, if anyone's going to debate about this movie meaning something, That's it's, where it it's the last hour. Yeah. It's, it's where it really kicks into gear because my interpretation of it, beyond, like, we're seeing the world through the eyes of somebody who has severe anxiety, is the idea that this is like PTSD that his, that his mom owned are. him and kind of controlled his entire life. You can see him in all these posters for her company. She's a very yeah. rich woman. Um, and, and the idea that he's essentially been reduced to this version of who he is because of the way that his mom has pretty much micromanaged his entire existence. Well that, but he also very clearly has mental illness. Yes. Beyond way. just anxiety. Cause a, he was born without oxygen and got dropped on his head as a baby. Um, and like B, he grew up traumatized with losing a brother who he barely knew, uh, and then just having this huge CEO helicopter mom, uh, like essentially trying to give him love in a way that he could never return, and then like blaming him for that. Yeah, resenting him for being, you know, a child. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All of my questions are in the last hour. Sort of. Um. That big wall that we see all of the pictures and the years of her company. Um, Cause Bo is in all of like the pills, like all the right. pill posters, he's in all of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a, he's on all of them or B. She was just like, I have a son who can take pictures. To be honest, I think it's a, mm-hmm. that he ta- he's on all of them because, and this is my thought process with the company that his mother runs. I don't think that's, like a company because she wanted to be a businesswoman i think it is a company for her son Mm. um because she makes the pills that he uses she owns the building he lives in she makes the food that he eats the the packaging for the food he eats like it almost seems like it is a company to help his son help her son 
Um, and so I definitely feel like a lot of that stuff was made for him. Yeah. Like he is in those pictures because he's on those drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's at least what I got from that. Yeah. From also big seeing... like employee, uh, yeah, wall thing. Um, all of the like the whole family, um, that he stayed with in the second act is on there too. Yeah. So I like it. That's where all my questions come from because it's like, did they? Did she just tailor this entire experience to put him through hell? Maybe hard to say, but I on I will say yes. I think yeah. yeah I, I I like the idea that this whole journey that she sends him on is pretty much a narcissist's test to see how much someone actually cares. So she's yeah. really put all these obstacles and menaces to society and all these people in his way just to to see if he would still try and make it to her. I would give up she's a long time dead. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I would just yeah. be like fuck this. Literally, the second my keys got stolen, I would have been like, nah. Mm-mm. Yeah. What's sorry, just... mom, you're dead. You're, you're I'm, I'm not me. coming. I'm not making it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not joining. <laughs> um, no, I do think that those are. That's a, a solid question to ask. And yeah, I, I basically think that his mom and him have maybe the most toxic relationship that a son and mom can have, which is codependent and yet resentful towards. Mm-hmm the fact that they're so codependent you know like she almost needs him to need her and she hates him for needing her so much and onwards and that's where it goes yeah, yeah. yeah. um do you guys think like Ari Aster set out to make like this movie like an unsolvable puzzle or do you think he's very clearly like trying to do something with like this core messaging of the movie at the in the last hour I would say it's a bit of both I think he is trying to give some kind of ending to this um through the mother uh, but at the same time, I think he's leaving some weird, vague mystery to leave some stuff open for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, does it work necessarily? In my opinion, no. Because so much of the stuff that he's leaving open-ended has to do with the mother and, like, all of Bo's childhood. And so it leaves... It it does close out the, oh, is his mother actually dead? No, she's not. She's actually here and... Uh, like their relationship and how that works but it opens up so many more things like what was Bo's childhood like knowing now that all of it was almost tailored by his mother like how did his how did his mother come up with all these things and tailor them exactly to Bo so that would be all of his things why does his mother resent him but still does all this stuff uh because he loves him so much like Mm-hmm. You know, I think it opens up more questions, and it does make some sense of things, but I think it leaves a couple things a little too open-ended for it to really give it a conclusive uh, finale. Mm-hmm. There's so many distractions in this movie to mm-hmm. have, like, a like a finite answer. Yeah. Like, there's way too many distractions to actually be like, oh, this is the point of the movie. Right. Like, so I, I think that in the last hour, he definitely tries to recuperate it all, but I don't think that it answers them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Going back to Nathan Lane, he, he was doing an interview and he had just mentioned a specific quote that I thought was like pretty funny. He said, only Ari Aster and his therapist can tell you what this movie is really about. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's like, we can make interpretations and play around with the meaning and, and everything like that. But I do think only Ari Aster and his darkest demons really know what's going on here. I think... Honestly, the I heard a really funny uh, review, and it was, if you rate this movie five stars, your therapist should get an immediate text message. Yeah, I, I saw an that one. An immediate notification. Yeah. Which is true. Valid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just true. As somebody who who rated it four, I want to know what my therapist would think of this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so I was curious, too. What parts of this movie... 
did you guys like the most when you were when you found yourself watching this three hour odyssey? Where did you find yourself most engaged throughout the plot line? What specific parts appeal appealed to you most? I, I yeah, I honestly hate to say it, but I think it's the house. I think it's like after he gets hit by the van or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I was, think I'd have to agree. Yeah, like I was most engaged there. That is when it felt the most like an Ari Aster movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's true, actually. Like it yeah. felt like that entire time it was like skin crawl. This feels horrible. What is happening? Yeah, yeah. That's when it. That's when it. Like that's where Ari really shined through in like his hereditary and Midsummer like previous movies. Like that was like ew, and that's where I was most engaged because yeah, sort I, of what I expected. Yeah, I feel like I was most engaged because that was what I was expecting. Yeah. I expected for. A majority of the movie we were gonna be in this house. A lot, of, a lot like, of the trailer is is him with this family in the house. It yeah. was really like the first. If we're breaking the movie up into four parts. The first part, I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" Second part, I was like, "Okay, here we are, we're in it." Third part, I was like, "Wait, what the fuck's going on?" Fourth part, I was like, "Wait, what the fuck is happening right now?" <laughs> uh, I I think the house part is awesome, but yeah. I'm, gonna be on, I'm gonna be honest with you, my favorite part of the movie is the apartment. The whole first like 45 minutes. That is which wild. Is, are, our friend Nick Long said that that's the least his least favorite part of the movie. He said that that part pissed him off. It was like infuriating. Um, I just thought it was so absurd in such a unique way. Like it felt like what it would be like to live in Los Santos, you know, like GTA Five Los Santos. Living in Gotham. Yeah, bro. Like even worse. Like <laughs> yeah. there's like dead bodies just like laying there and yeah. just like rotting on the sidewalk. There's like cops that are just like shooting at you for nothing. You walk outside your apartment and there's like eight people. Like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Like, it's like crazy. Yeah. Um, it's just this weird atmosphere. I also want to shout out the dancing guy in the, in the, <laughs> in the, of the yeah. shop. Just like an NPC dancing, like constantly. Every time you see him, he's doing the same dance and like the same foot pattern. It's, it's that was, that's funny. one of those distractions though. Like yeah. there's plenty of those in the movie. It's true. Like, that's just like, look at this guy and don't pay attention to what is going on in the background. Mm-hmm. He's just living in the most unhinged world. Like even, and this is at the very beginning of the movie when he gets like the note slid under his door and he's like, Hey, you need to be quiet. And he's just like sleeping in his, in his bed and he gets, keeps getting these notes. They get more and more aggressive. He's like, I tell you to turn the fucking music down and you turn it up. And he's like, <laughs> what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Just the <laughs> loudest like dubstep music ever. Like, I just thought it was like, it's so nonsensical and completely absurd. And it's a crazy way to start this movie because it immediately throws out any expectations of this movie making sense mm-hmm. yeah but I, I found myself really really into that particular part of the film to be honest a moment in the very beginning that i i do really remember that i think is so interesting is when we first get that kind of like pan after he leaves the therapist we get that weird pan shot of like what's happening in the streets of mm-hmm. right outside of his apartment and then you just watch him like full sprint out of the darkness to his door he's yeah. trying to like there's another like crazy dude who's trying to go for him and he's just like full sprints out of nowhere yeah uh that was just wild to me and then that dude is still at the door later when yeah. he like leaves the apartment there's still just like this dude he's just like head down just like he looks like he's timed out you know like it's yeah very weird part of the film but i i thought it worked very well mm-hmm. um okay i want to talk about the actual ending because i, I kind of want to me and you haven't talked about this. No. I want to not be too pretentious, but I do want to analyze what it all means and what it's all trying to say. Because I have some some ideas and that I think are pretty interesting. So the movie, just to like kind of recap Purpose it, it yeah. um, we find Bo on the run and in a boat after he kills his mom definitively. They're kind of arguing, going back and forth. He puts his hands on her throat and he seemingly chokes her out before she falls through a glass table. She seems very dead. 
so yeah, he's in a boat and he we find him on this journey as he's just kind of like sailing and just I don't think he has any direction. He's that seems just, beautiful as well. Very yeah, mm. very cinematically. It just it has like a very good quality where you can see his talent shining through visually. Um, but yeah, we find him in a coliseum, this giant stadium with people watching him and looking down on him. He just kind of like goes through a tunnel and all of a sudden he's there. And then his mom and his therapist and kind of some of the other key core figures in his life are all just kind of like watching him. And we see they proceed to judge all of his big life moments right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And then the engine for the boat kind of blows up and then it flips him into the water and we hear him drowning. And then the credits start to roll. So the obvious interpretation would be that his guilt boils up and quite literally kills him. I think that's like the one that I think most people might walk away from. But I like this idea that the audience is us. And this is where I was like at the risk of sounding too pretentious. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we've watched his life. We've laughed at his fear, the absurdity of his own existence and his struggles. And then as the audience does in this movie, we get up and we leave at the exact same time they do. It almost feels like Ari Aster waited a couple minutes knowing that the audience would wait a couple minutes before making them get up and leave. And it's very much like he's holding an actual mirror out to us and flipping this comedy into like a moral quandary to say like, you just spent hours watching this man suffer and now you're going to get up. And, or you spent hours watching this man suffer, you laughed at it, and now you're going to get up and you're going to leave the same way all these viewers of, of his life in the stadium do. I just think it's a very... It flips into this question of just like how people in general kind of get off on other people's pain and watching other people's existences mm-hmm. fall apart. So I was curious if that was like an obvious read on the movie for you guys or if that was something that... Like, what do, what do you guys think about that idea? I think it's an interesting idea. I think my issue with it is that it's just kind of put at the end. You know? Mm -hmm. It's not expanded on enough. It's not expanded on. It's just kind of like a thing where it's like, oh, now you feel like one of the people who just watched him in the the Coliseum or whatever. You know? It's just kind of like thrown in there. I think it's cool. um, But I think it's just like uh, a little sprinkle on top that doesn't really matter as much to the story. Because the way I saw that end scene was the... Have you ever had that horrible thought that what if, what if you were judged for every little thing you did in your life? Yeah. Every little fuck up, every little mistake. Like that is, I think, some people's worst fears. And for Bo, the worst fear would be everyone he knows is in a coliseum watching his biggest life mistakes as he's being ridiculed in front of his mother and then he gets killed for it. Yeah. Like that is his worst fear cranked up to 11 without her stopping it without her stopping or doing anything. Yeah. Um, my one question I have from the end of that is Bo looks up to the sky terrified. And then there's almost a calmness that falls over his face right before he dies. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I think any thoughts, my, I guess my base interpretation would be that it's like the guilt leaving him. You know, it's like Mm. the real, it's like the realization that, he spent so long condemning himself, and then in that final moment, he he kind of lets himself free of all that just f- mm. for for once. I think it's the first time in his life, maybe, that he's let himself free of all these pressures and all these guilt that he's felt for everything he's done wrong. Yeah, I really like the ending due to the fact that I think that's just how everyone views life now. Like mm. like like we're all ingrained in social media. Like that's just how it is now, unfortunately. But that's just the way it is, and that's I feel like Ari's just trying to play on that, like. We all watch so much shitty stuff happen every day. 
Like, you're just kept up with it because of social media. Yeah, I kid you not. There have been times where I sit and watch car crash compilations. Yeah, and it exists. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like, websites like, like LiveLeaks and stuff like and that? like, Reddit 50-50? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you get into, like, the fact that, like, really, it's true. And I think that's why, Wesley, you're right. It is kind of thrown out the ending. But I think it's why the mirror works for me is because yeah. it's, like, it, it is who we are as people. Yeah. Like, we do kind of watch other people's pain and then wipe our hands free of it. And, and then just, just kind of walk go on away with your day. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like, I think I agree that at the end it's sort of weird, it, but I also think that it only belongs at the end. Yeah. It couldn't really be put anywhere else. No. True. But he, if it was expanded on, I think it would definitely, it would definitely hit better, but I, I really like it. I really like mm-hmm. the idea of being like, Hey, look at you, you piece of shit. Like this is, this is you. You're watching this all happen in real life too. Not just this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is what you guys do. And I, it, oh, sorry, go ahead, Wes. I definitely think that if there had been more moments of, like, voyeurism, like, talking about that idea of just watching, um, and, like, people go through horrible things, if there had been more talk about that throughout the movie, I think it would have worked a little better. But, yeah, it just kind of felt something I feel like he threw in there at the end. Yeah. Like, and now, I don't know what you're going to think about this movie, so think about this instead. Yeah. Right. Um, because he gives you such vague things to think about that it feels like he's trying to throw in maybe just like one grand maybe one solid thing to yeah. think about. Yeah. Which yeah. is actually true because this is like where we're like focusing the whole meaning of the movie which is on that kind of final the very idea. end. Like yeah. three minutes of the final. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a wild ending and it does kind of leave like my, one of my favorite feelings in a movie theater is when a movie ends and the whole audience is just like silence just like what the fuck nobody's getting up because mm-hmm. just everybody's just kind of like stuck in their seats at least we didn't see it with very many people i think there was maybe five other people in the theater and yeah like just nobody moved until like yeah. it was like very clear that the movie was like actually done in my theater there was two other people there that's crazy that's so interesting to i don't be honest it makes a lot of sense actually yeah but. to be honest like i think this movie is going to bomb in the how box is office. this doing in box office why don't we check right now? You guys keep talking and I'll yeah. find out. The reason why I think it's going to bomb in the box office is because it's so divisive. It like, is extremely divisive. When you've got things like Hereditary where people are like, oh, there's crazy scenes. you got to see this. Yeah. you got things like Midsummer. It's like, oh, Florence Pugh. Uh, and it's beautiful and it's crazy. you got to see this. And then people are out here talking about Bo's Af- Bo Afraid and they're like, I don't know. I sat there for three hours and hated my life and then left. Mm-hmm. Go watch the movie, I guess. It's true. But, that's like, but that is the general consensus. It's like, yeah. this was horrible, but I really liked it. That's the thing. It's like, it's one of those things that I think the only people that will actually go see it are the people who are interested in the spectacle of a movie that will never happen again. Yeah. And is like, it's a miracle it got made. Yeah. yeah it's um, true. I seen a review that was like, this is the best movie that should have never been made. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause saying like, it's never going to happen again it, and it should, it's a miracle that it got made. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that in a sense of like who on earth approved, read this script and then approved it. Um, and it's amazing and a technical masterpiece, but no one's ever going to make this again. No. Yeah. Um, that's where your creative freedom comes in to yeah. loop back to what we were saying in the beginning. Like that's where it comes into because, it will never be made again because no one's brain works like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Even Ari's brain doesn't work like that. It took him two movies that were like relatively normal to get to like something like this. Yeah. I mean, Hereditary and Midsommar are weird, but like nobody can walk away from them and be like, that I didn't bad. get it. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's pretty like narrow and straightforward with yeah. what mm-hmm. it's doing. Um, 
And I do think that this movie will will piss off a lot of people, of especially people who who like movies like Hereditary Midsummer. Yeah, because Midsummer, you know, is like a, a culty, like it's got weird, psych, really like creepy, trippy, tri- psycho, psychedelic stuff. But it's yeah. all like you, you get it. Yeah. The same with Hereditary. Hereditary was immediately praised as like changing the horror genre and like a, a modern horror masterpiece. And Bo's Afraid doesn't fall into either of those boxes. No. To no. answer the question that we had asked about how is this movie doing at the box office, its budget was $35 million. Mm-hmm. It has made, it's been out now for a week and a half, $5.8 million. Ooh, Jesus. So yeah. You oh. know, A24 is going to shrug this off. They don't care about like movies bombing at the box office. They yeah. like to take those creative risks. They're not worried about it. Here's but, the thing Yeah, though. it's not good. Honestly, A24 probably like five, seven years ago, never would have. Com- yeah, not a big company. Now, mm-hmm. they just give like directors money and they're like, make a movie. And they've got seven of them in a year. And they are, I would say if there's ten of them in a year, mm-hmm. seven of them are like very good movies. Exactly. And so that's why I feel like they, they have less fear now. Yeah. Is because they just hire good directors, give them the budget, and are like have creative freedom with it and make a movie and most of the time it works out last year we had what the whale uh, oh man there were so many last whale, year whale everything everywhere once yeah. was Northman no that was Neon no. was it but they had a big but there's a lot year. and I was big, ton, yeah. and I don't think a lot of them were bad no, no I agree so I think that goes to show that maybe they're bombing at the box office but you're right they're gonna shrug it off it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because next thing they make will probably do really well. Yeah. Like they just did gangbusters at the Oscars with them, everything everywhere. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I think that they're like, it is what it is. Yeah. We forever and everything everywhere all at once. We get a bow is afraid. And, and that's fine because just cause it's bombing, it's still something that a 24 can be like, if you want to make a movie that you're going to create a freedom, come to us. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and I'd be really interested a couple of five, 10 years from now. I think that there will be, a side of the internet that is like Bo is afraid is the greatest movie ever made. I saw a review and I oh, and I and the guy said he was like I don't know if ten years from now I'm gonna wake up out of a nightmare and go Bo is afraid is the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, because it's hard to tell. Like, like you never know, right? But yeah, and it'll just hit like such a specific group of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely gonna become. I feel like it's it's weird and odd and just like crazy enough and divisive enough that in a couple of years it's going to become a, like a cult classic. Yeah. Like we, we don't have enough opinions on it, but I'm sure that was the same reaction to like movies like American psycho. Oh yeah. Like oh, people yeah. definitely that movie, that fucking movie hated it. People hated that movie. Yeah. Because it's like horrible and it's idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also a cult classic. It took a while for, for that one to get reevaluated. And now it's known as one of, you know, the greats in the genre at its time. That's what I mean. But it took a while to get there. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So who knows? Wesley, did you catch the Bill Hader cameo in this? I did, indeed. <laughs> thought that was awesome. The UPS guy. So funny. Bill Hader. He doesn't even show his face, too. That's the greatest part. He doesn't even show his face. Hayden and I laughed so hard. Another one of great, great moments oh, of comedy God, in this movie. Man. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, your mom is... I think this is your mom, but just hang up and call back. Maybe hang up and call back. Maybe it's the wrong number. Yeah, and he calls back. He's like, "I'm, I'm so, so sorry." sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hilarious. So funny. It's really good. It's really good. Oh. Um, I think my my last big question: How would you describe this movie to people in your in your life? What would you if you, not and not even pitch them on it? Not like, oh, I want you to go see it. If somebody asked you about Bo is Afraid, what would you what would you say? I don't think I can give a better description than your review. Says. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like. 
like your friend on mush is on mushrooms and you go up in their face and say nightmare 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 yeah uh over and over and over again like that's i think that's the best description of this movie i can give true i mean in my in my review is just this is a panic attack on screen Mm -hmm. because it is like it's just like that is is what it is i want to elaborate a little bit more on my my nightmare 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 idea because i kind of i I wrote some thoughts on it so I, i wrote this movie's best described to people as the feeling of a nightmare. It, in, in a nightmare, strange and terrifying situations fall upon you before almost immediately and seamlessly morphing into a different setting with different people. Rinse and repeat until you wake up absolutely terrified. Beyond the feeling of anxiety he's inducing and the whole panic attack vibe that he's giving off, it's a very specific feeling that we can all recall of how nightmares feel endless and overwhelming and it's captured on film. Um, when you put it on film, you realize how mo- how almost immediately like un- unintangible these nightmares actually are you know like how when you're having your own nightmare it's funny because it'll go on for about six hours of your life and it feels like 45 minutes this is the opposite when you put it on film it goes on for three hours and it feels like it's going on for nine hours you know like it's this inescapable feeling of of like i feel like shit yeah Yeah. like this feeling of dread um that being said i've never seen anything like it and i really don't think that any filmmaker will be able to so perfectly replicate it make that feeling on, on screen yeah I think like that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think if anyone else had this, but Ari, it would even be approved. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause like his past two movies have just had that dreadful feeling to them. So I feel like when a 24 got it, they're like, it might do bad in box office, but ideally it makes sense. Yeah. Where does a filmmaker go after something like Bo is Afraid? He makes this movie. Retire? <laughs> right. <laughs> he directs this movie like he's never going to make another movie. In How do life. you top that? Yeah. I how mean, do you get weirder? Like, how? Do you think it goes back to, like, a hereditary type, like, trying to make another horror movie? I, maybe. I, I think it would be so. hilarious. And I know this won't happen, but I think it'd be hilarious if he just made another movie like Hereditary, then made another movie like Midsummer, and then like six years we get another Bo's Afraid. Yeah, just Gosh. like, he's like, all right, I go back to my roots for the next one, yeah. and then I, I continue to stray in that direction, and now we're back. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I think he has he has a lot of room to play, though. Like, he had such an idea with Midsummer that I feel like he could just take it, like, completely anywhere as he wanted. Yeah, that's true. I'm also just like, I would go see it. I will see whatever he makes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just the way I am. I think that he's super talented. And regardless of how I feel about any of his movies, I'm going to go see it. And what I love about this movie, too, is we can have all these debates about what does it mean? What does it actually... We could also just end off go the episode it. by saying, this movie is just about a dude who just needs to nut. Like, yeah. bro just desperately needs to, to, you know, whether it's by himself or with someone. And so it could be all deep, but it could also just be about a man who is who is just on a journey to come. Yeah. That's what Bo's Afraid is about. <laughs> I think uh, Optimus Prime describes perfectly in the Transformers trailer. Where he goes, let them come. Let Bo come. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, my last thought is the funniest thing is that Ari Aster seems to have a very great relationship with his mother. She shows up to his red carpets. She supports him. Between this and Hereditary, if he I was his mother, her. I don't believe it for a second. Yeah, I'd I'd be demanding my son to to explain himself, question some things. Yeah, what are you hiding, Ari? Yeah, tell me right now. So ratings, I was afraid ratings. Uh, okay, we'll start with me. I'm gonna have the lowest rating. Um, after talking about this, I left the theater, gave it a three and a half. After talking about this movie a little more, I think I have to drop it down to a three. Oh word, okay. Um, look. This movie is made by a very professional director who did a very 
lots of amazing technical things in this movie, lots of beautiful things. Uh, took us on a wild ride. But in my personal opinion, this movie is way too long. Um, I am starting to have real... Like there, I feel like there's something in the back of my head now that when I see a movie that's three hours long, I'm like, you better be really good or why the fuck do you deserve that runtime? May I suggest um, to you a movie called Babylon? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, you may not because that's all you talk about. Just please, kidding, but, please. Um, I, yeah, so it's just like, it's way too long for me. It doesn't give me enough closure at the ending. Like the ending did not satisfy me. Um, look, satisfied Bo though. It satisfied Bo. <laughs> look, it's Certainly a wild did. ride. It's very funny. I did enjoy it. Would I ever watch it again? No. No. And if Ari Aster comes out with another three-hour movie, I think after watching this one, I will be debating going to see it. So Mid Midsummer has a three-hour and five-minute director's cut. I would watch it. That I really want to watch. Yeah, I'd watch Have it. fun. I think I might give it a go. Um, I'll watch it with you. Yeah, I I just like it was. A movie um and i just think that it didn't do enough for me to make me like if i had to rank all three of the ariastra's movies bo is afraid is at the bottom immediately me too yeah yeah it's, it is my least favorite by him yeah but yeah it just wasn't i don't know the penis monster came on and i was like okay this whole movie's a joke this whole thing is a joke um he is just making fun of me for paying money to go see this movie now he he actually might have been. That's oh, the, that's the thing. He he definitely. We didn't even touch on this. I think he do, he's making fun of everyone who goes to see that movie. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's definitely mocking his audience a little bit. Whether it's like super intense or whether he's just like slightly playing with the idea of like what they expect from him versus what they get. Yeah, there's definitely some some judgment going on. What? Well, because just like it's, I think it's really well shown in the the last forty minutes that we were just talking about where. He is literally like the biggest secret. What the fuck is up in that attic? That is the biggest thing that we're thinking about for a ton of this movie. And it's a fucking penis monster. Like he is literally, that's like. He's, uh, he is up there. Yeah, that's like if you, uh, it's like in the in the heist movies where they open the briefcase that they think has all the money in it. And it's just got a little, like, like if somebody drew a dick butt in there. Like that is that. Yeah, it is crazy that, like, it's so crazy to me that the big monster in this movie is a literal cock and balls monster. Yeah. It's crazy. He's 100% making fun of his audience. But hey, uh, he's making lots of money to do so, and fun. Yeah. Um, I really like Bo's Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think... let's go on the opposite side now. <laughs> well, I will say, like, it, it is my least favorite Ari Aster movie, um, and that's not to take away from the movie itself. It's just to say Hereditary is a 5 out of 5. It's one of my favorite horror movies ever made. Midsommar, it's a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I think that he loses 0.5 for each movie he's made, which is interesting. Yikes. Um, you know, so we get to Bo's Afraid, which I actually think I spoiled my rating earlier in the episode. It is what it is. Um, it's a 4 star for me. 4 star that I hold a great amount of admiration and respect for, but like can't deny that like that runtime. And so even though I respect it, in, in, in the idea of what it's trying to do, it, it is suffocating. And it's, the idea of rewatching this is like scarier than than anything. It's scarier than the cock and balls monster yeah. in the attic. Like I don't I don't think I could process the idea of, of rewatching this movie. No, I would never. And like I say it all the time on this podcast, but like there is beauty in making a coherent movie that is an hour and a half and is amazing. It's true. Um it's hard I to think do, but I agree. It's hard to do, but it's really impressive when it's done. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's very impressive when somebody makes a three hour movie and just fills it with stuff. 
um, to make it three hours when it didn't have to be. I think yeah. that's actually lazy because you didn't take the time to go through your script and cut more stuff out. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that you could... Uh, am I saying that Ari Aster is lazy in his scripts? No, he's got so much shit going on, but maybe just a little too much. Mm-hmm. I was really on the fence here. So like, I wanted to balance it between a three and a half and a four so much, but I ended up giving it a four just due to the fact that I actually do really like it. Like I had a very fun time in a movie where I shouldn't have had a fun time. Very true. Um, but it also made me feel horrible. Yeah. So mm. I feel like it did, it did its job on me. And I also really like the reflection at the end. So it, it is a four for me, but you're right. It same as me. I, I gave hereditary a four and a half and midsummer four and a half as well. Mm-hmm. So this is the only four out of the three, you know, it's just like big swings like this. Even when I'm like completely enamored by like how big of a swing it is, I'm just like, it's still such a big swing, yeah. and I can't it's deny. It. Yeah, it's it's a lot. He really reached, and yeah. Would I mean, you would you guys point. recommend this movie to anyone in your no. life? Anyone? Not a single person. Not a single I, I came soul. home and I looked at Kelsey. I said, "Never watch that movie." Like the said only, that to my mom as well. The only way I would recommend this movie to people is the and this is like this does not even make the movie sound appealing. I would literally say you will never see a movie like this ever again. Suffer through the three hours if you really want to. Yeah. That's how, well, that's what I would say to people. Yeah, it's just like a spectacle. It's like a spectacle. If you want to see it, see it. If you want to, go for it. If I'm not going to try and convince anyone to go see no, this No, like if you're on the fence about going to see it, just Don't do go it. See it. No, if you're on the fence, just do it. <laughs> if you're like, should I go see it or should I not? Do it. But if you're like... If you're like, Sorry, this is really funny. You were like, "Yes," and I was like, "No." <laughs> well, it's just like says because, a lot about this movie. If yeah. you if you didn't even hear about it, and now you hear people talking about it, don't go see it. Yeah. But if you're on the fence, like you know about it, then fuck it, take the leap. But yeah. yeah. Uh, my last thought is, I just I, I liked it, and I hope Ari Aster makes another horror movie. I really want to see him make another. I want to see another horror movie from him. Yep. Yeah. That being said, but was afraid. I am afraid. Cole is afraid. Wesley is afraid. I am terrified, terrified. actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so afraid. Uh, so terrified. But hey, if you want to hear about other movies that make some sense, Fuck, you can listen we, to our other... What did we talk about last week? I don't even know. Oh, Evil Dead. Evil I, Dead. I thought it was Mario. That was going to be way funnier. No, no, no. I was like, what no, a crazy... Evil Dead and Runfield. Some yeah. actual interesting horror movies. Check out that. Um... But thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast and our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same name on our letterbox. Cole, you have a letterbox. Do you want to? I do. It's it's hard to spell, but it's at R-X-S-S-I-E. There you go. There um, it is. So thank you once again, Cole, for joining us. Yes, it was wonderful to talk about this. I'm, glad, ride. I'm glad I had you on for this one. <laughs> it was just the way we felt in that theater, man. Yeah. Unparalleled. Yeah. Anyways. Well, radio son. Goodbye. Uh, we're going to see you later. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll text you, talk to you on the next one, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>